Movie magic in Steven Spielberg's family portrait, a pan-African approach at a new gallery space in Paris, and Chagall's dreamlike world gets a 21st century remix. That's all coming up in today's show. Well, he's called it his most personal film to date, an on-screen autobiography that transports us to a childhood seeped in cinema. Steven Spielberg modelled The Fablemans on his own family and his experiences growing up. The film's been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. Here's a closer look at where the lines blur between fact and fiction in this latest release. Dive into the memories of Steven Spielberg. As a child, he was fascinated by a train accident that happened on the big screen. His mother then offered him a deal that would change his life. We're going to use Daddy's camera to film it. Only crash the train once, okay? Then after we get the film developed, you can watch it crash over and over till it's not so scary anymore. It's in the this moment that Spielberg's broken. love for making movies was born, as he recounts nearly seven decades later. Let's not tell your father. This is a very personal story. It's the first time I've taken uh, privacy public, and I've never done that. I'm, you don't see me doing that a lot in my life. The film, though, is not called The Spielbergs, but The Fablemans. You do what your heart says you have to, because you don't owe anyone your life. In the film, Spielberg revisits the trauma of his parents' divorce, the creative engine that has driven his work, and continues to have an impact as seen by cast members. It was um, pretty incredible to see um, uh, Stephen looking back at his life and, uh, yeah, tears streaming down his face. From E.T. to Jurassic Park, familial themes have always been a large part of Spielberg's work. But he waited until his parents' deaths before telling his own story. The Fableman's a testament film. And what's beautiful about it is that it overflows with youth and youthfulness, with a spirit of childhood. I don't think this will be the last film because he really wants to continue and I think he needs success. Despite being nominated for a Best Picture Oscar, Spielberg's most personal and sincere work was a box office bomb in the U.S. Well, could French-speaking West Africa become the next thriving movie industry? Film and TV production there has surged in the region, especially in Senegal. Many young people see a viable career path in the sector as they train to become screenwriters and directors. Catherine Viette has the story. For Kerry James and his crew, it's the end of a long working day. The French rapper has just finished filming Ban Luzar 2 or Street Flow in Senegal. The sequel to the 2019 hit, also starring James, will be broadcast on Netflix later this year. James says filming in Africa offers something unique. Senegal is, and I think it's true for all of Africa, it's one of those countries where you set your camera up and immediately something happens. The colors are extraordinary. More productions are discovering West Africa, especially Ivory Coast and Senegal. After a long slump, the region is seeing a surge in filming. When we first started, it was really a production every two years or three years. But now every year we have almost two to four feature film projects in Senegal, or perhaps more. So this has really changed in the last five years. 
a change that offers fresh opportunities. Tumani Sangare and his partner opened a film school in Dakar with the goal of training the country's next generation of screenwriters and directors. There are a lot of things that still have to be done, which is why our training center has moved on to writing screenplays towards directing. There are still other professions that have to evolve, like stage assistants, for example. The TV series format has really taken off. Over the past five years, around 152-minute episodes have been released in the country, which is eight times more than between 1992 and 2017. But feature films have been slower to return to center stage. I think that Senegal has a great deal of audiovisual potential, whether it be acting, production or infrastructure. I know we have potential and we can go places. The shame is we stop at TV shows, when we really should go big on films. The cinema was once very popular, before going into a spectacular decline in the 2000s, leading to the closure of almost all the theatres in French-speaking Africa. Senegal and Ivory Coast are hoping to reverse that trend and catch up with Nigeria's Nollywood, the continent's leading film powerhouse. Here in Paris, a new gallery is taking an eclectic approach to African art with historical pieces and some of the latest contemporary work coming from the continent's young talents as well as from the diaspora. It's a collaboration between two galleries, Charles Wisley Ordé and The 31 Project, both of them specialised in African arts, as well as a consulting firm. This inaugural group show brings together work from Zimbabwe, Mali, Nigeria and South Africa. Natasha Milleret and Yinka Oyetade show us round. Ancient sculptures displayed alongside contemporary pieces. That's the concept behind Les Verrières. Two galleries, the Charles Wesley Ordé and the 31 Project have joined forces to become one. At Les Verrières' inaugural exhibit, works from 10 artists are on display, each of them from the African continent and its diasporas. I was interested in being part of a gallery that explored Africa without it taking over their identity. The gallery doesn't demand that its artists be super engaged in Africa or that it be a big part of their identity. It's more subtle than that. The artists are different, but the art shares a common basis of showing a story of displacement, a story of movement, the story of another continent. While the Charles Wesley Ordé Gallery opened its doors in 2006 and specializes in African relics, the 31 Project has been exhibiting contemporary art for just over four years. Alongside the galleries, Les Varrières is also home to a consulting firm. It aims to gather skills from across the African art scene. The gallery was designed in a way that the works can either interact or be presented separately. The idea was to be able to manipulate the space to serve the needs of the two entities. On the African markets, contemporary art is booming, and Paris, which has long lagged behind London and Berlin, is finally cashing in. Paris has been gearing up to become an artistic hub at a global level again, and it's getting there, which is fantastic. There are some foundations that have opened and foreign galleries are coming over here to establish themselves. Places like Les Verrières could help push Paris that bit closer to its goal of becoming an international art hub, at least on the African front. The gallery is also aiming to host conferences and events.
The dreamlike world of painter Marc Chagall is the latest landscape to be brought to life in an animated and immersive exhibition at the Atelier des Lumières here in Paris. Merit Meyer, the artist's granddaughter and vice president of the Chagall Committee, says the digital medium brings a different dimension to his work. Emerald Maxwell tells us more. The flying couple, the musicians, the rooster, the city's dear to his heart. All of the symbols and themes in his repertoire are present. After Vincent van Gogh and Gustav Klimt, it's the turn of Marc Chagall's dreamlike world to be brought to life at the Atelier des Lumières in Paris. The immersive exhibition space has pulled in nearly 5 million visitors since opening in 2018. For Chagall's granddaughter and vice president of the Chagall Committee, it's important to be open to digital. Being able to open it up to different technologies is of course essential for us. We can't remain closed-minded to all of that. And above all, there is a cinematic aspect that is really inherent to his work. She was initially resistant to the immersive idea, but was won over when she saw it in practice. This immersive exhibition helps us to understand how pictorial, artistic and technical rigour really allowed him to reveal and suggest lightness. Logistics-wise, this sort of exhibition is also easier to organise, with no need to negotiate the loan of works and ship them around the world. Classical music, klezmer and jazz accompany the projections, evoking the artist's rich life experiences as a Russian émigré inspired by Jewish folklore, his adopted home of Paris from 1911 and a spell as an exile in New York when he fled the Nazis during the Second World War. The exhibition is on until January 2024. Flora and fauna, food and even fashion accessories. Everything in this next exhibition has been rendered true to life and in miniature. The phrase small is beautiful has never been truer than in this collection, currently being shown in New York after runs in Paris and London. More than 130 tiny treasures are on display there, crafted by dozens of international artists. We'll leave you with a glimpse. Otherwise, do check out our social media channels and our website for more arts and culture. There's more news coming up on France 24 just after this.